On Tisha B'Av, we don't extend greetings. She'el shalom. Greeting one another is prohibited. And uh, it's quite surprising, because one would expect that if the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of baseless hatred, we should go around greeting each other. How you doing? Shalom Aleichem. But no. Because the Navi Yirmiya tells us that one of the causes of the Chorban was Hashem's disgust and disdain with our empty meaningless formalities of greeting and asking about each other's welfare without really caring about it. So Yvonne Hashem says, just shut it down. Don't talk to anyone. I'd rather no communication than empty and uh, a meaningless communication. So we see that on Tish above, whatever you say better be true. If it would be any other day of the year, I would start. It's a great pleasure to have the opportunity to share words of Torah with one of my favorite Jewish communities, but on Tisha B'Av, I gotta be honest with you. This is my favorite uh, community. A different day of the year, maybe I would have to couch my words and say, you know, one of my favorite communities, but I have a very special place in my heart for the South African uh, community, for my friends in Joburg, and without extending a, a formal greeting, I would like to acknowledge my friends, Rabbi Ilan Rabinowitz, who uh, reached out to me and offered me this uh, opportunity on behalf of our Sameach. Uh, I thank Rabbi Ilan uh, for sponsoring this program together with uh, Yedidi, Rav Neil Appel, and Yedidi, uh, Rav Jonathan Rogoff. Thank you so much. Even though my visit, my visit to uh, South Africa has been already a number of years ago, there I feel a very strong kesher with you and with the entire community. And uh, may our kesher in learning and growing together only develop stronger. And may we together merit to greet Pnei Mashiach Simkeno Bimher Amino Amen. Al Khurbin Beis Hamikdash Kihuras Vechihudash. Over the destruction of the temple that was torn down and trampled upon. I shall lament with a new elegy every year. These are the words of Rabbi Lezer Hakalir in Kina Chafdalet, where he declares that he will compose a new elegy annually, a new mourning. What does Rabbi Lezer Hakalir mean that he will compose a new elegy? Every year. What do you mean new? Nothing new happened. It's same old. We know the story. The story happened. It's static. Nothing changed. It, it is what it is. Why a new Hespid every year? The story already occurred. For many of us, this is a very difficult Tishabav, as was last Tishabav. I know in the South African community, there's still a wave after wave waiting for a vaccination. And uh, for many of us, this has been as hard of a time that we've ever experienced in our lives. Uh, many of us thought, okay, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, they lived through history and we're sort of living in the aftermath. But now we're living through historic times. Global pandemic, health crisis, financial crisis, Anxiety, fear, uneasiness, unstable government, whose family has not been profoundly affected. We all know people who are no longer with us. 
loved ones, Gedoyle Yisrael, we lost some of our greatest giants, David Feinstein, Zechazak Levracha, David Minsko Rebbe, Zechazak Levracha, and many others. We all know people who maybe were at death's door and they've recovered, but they'll never be the same. Their lives are not the same. People have lost livelihood. I'll tell you the truth. Minutes ago, preparing for the share, I got a phone call from a woman. She wanted to order something. And I knew, I knew right away, this, uh, where are you calling from? Florida. I said, where, where are you from? Originally? I said, yeah. South Africa. She said, you know, I'm about to give shear to, uh, to my friends in Joburg. She said, really, Rabbi, please pray to help my family get out of there. We're so worried about them. It's so, it's so backward there. Uh, you know, I don't know if America is much better. But, you know, that was the hashgacha that she put into focus moments before this year. The situation is very difficult. And to add insult to injury, now it's Tishabov and we have to sit on the floor and mourn for a building that many of us have a hard time relating to. We have to commemorate destruction that we have a hard time connecting with. It was destroyed more than 2,000 years ago. Is there any way that we could try to understand how to make this Tishabov, Tishabov Tavshin Pei Aleph, more meaningful, more impactful? connect with the soul of the day in an even more profound way than any other Tishvav we've ever experienced. The Medrash in Eicha Rabbah, Parsha Aleph, Ois Aleph, this is also brought in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Kovdalet Omed Beis. The Gemara tells us a, a story of a Tzabrachana woman, a broken woman in the neighborhood of Ram Gamliel. Vahayola ben Tishachiras. She had a young child. Umeis, and Nebuch, the child, died. She would cry over this child at night. Ram Gamliel would hear the cry of this woman. And whose heart doesn't melt hearing the cry of a woman, especially a woman crying over the loss of her child? And the Medrash adds a startling point. The Medrash says, Ram Gamliel, by hearing the cry of this woman, he remembered the destruction of the temple. And he would cry with her until his eyelashes fell out. And uh, the Medrash says they had no choice. They had to relocate the woman. She was disturbing the peace of mind of Ram Gamliel. But what is very curious is that which the Medrash says that when Ram Gamliel heard the woman cry, he remembered Chorben Beis HaMikdash. How did the woman's tears remind him about Chorben, Beis HaMikdash. Says Rav Mordechai Gifter, I know the South African community has a close connection with Tells. He says, from this matter, we derive a fundamental lesson. Ram Gamliel, with his discerning ear and his sensitive heart and soul, was able to trace back the root cause of the suffering of this woman. What is the Shoyresh? What is the source of it? And when Gamliel was able to trace back that the woman's suffering traced back to the root of all suffering, and that is the Chorben Beis HaMikdash. And so when Gamliel, instead of crying for the woman's personal plight, he cried for the source of all suffering. Because in a world of Beis HaMikdash, teaches Rav Gifter, in a world where Giloy Shechina is manifest, suffering doesn't exist. 
The Mishnah, at the end of Masech Soita, likewise seems to attribute all deficiency, even physical deficiency, all lacking in the world, all chisaroin, even in physical phenomenon, to the destruction of the Temple. The Mishnah says, Heyid Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua testified, Soita Memchas, Miyoim Shechara Beis Hamikdash, from the day the Temple was destroyed, Ein Yoim She'ein Kilalasai Meruba Mishal Chaveroi, there is no day whose curse is not more than its friend. V'lo yarad hatal of racha, dew doesn't fall in a blessed way anymore. V'nital tama peros, fruit doesn't taste good anymore. Rabbi Yossi Oimer, af nital shuman peros, even the fatty, enjoyable taste of fruit does not exist. The world plummets daily even from a physical standpoint. All physical phenomena seem to wane. Food isn't as good. Hana, pleasure isn't as good. Meat isn't as good. And this was all precipitated. Miyam Shachar Avdeh It just gets worse and worse every year. Life gets worse. As if the pandemic wasn't enough. So Klal Yisrael is reeling from a tragedy in Meiron. And as if that collapse wasn't enough, the bleachers in Stalin, condominiums in Surfside, Florida. Life just gets worse and worse and worse. Life in general. Every aspect of it. Says the holy Munkacher, and I have to tell you, I am now returning from the Ukraine where I had the privilege to pray at the grave of the Minchas Alazar, the Munkacha Rebbe, one of the great leaders of Hasidic Jewry before the war, the author of the Shar Yisachar, the author of Shalsuchivas Minchas Alazar, descendant of the Bnei Yisachar. And actually, it had particular meaning, meaning for me because my mother in law, my wife's mother, asked me when you go to Munkach, she believes her grandmother is buried right next to the Munkach, uh, the Munkach Rebbe. Okay, so I uh, got the name. I figured, no way I'll find it. You know, anytime you have to look for something in a cemetery, it's like looking for some, like a needle in a haystack. The name was, uh, the, the, my mother-in-law gave me the name. And I was looking here, I was looking there, and finally my friend Shloimi called. He says, Rabbi, it's right here, it's right next to the Munkacha Rebbe. It was one grave off. One grave in between. Simcha Shapira. I think maybe they thought she was related to the Munkacha Rebbe. They had the same last name. So, just being at the Munkacha Rebbe's kever is a particular poignant for me to share with you the following thought. Says the Munkacha Rebbe. That means that as time marches on, as, as time progresses and as history passes, the Churban becomes worse and worse and worse. While 2,000 years ago it was just the destruction of the temple, but now it's affected the fruits and it's affected the rain and it's affected every aspect of life. Which means the tragedy of the Churban compounds and whatever kinnis we said last year, it doesn't suffice because this year, this year the tragedy of the Churban is even more painful. It's even worse. It's not just Churban, it's Churban and COVID. It's Churban and Meiron. It's Churban and Surfside. So now we need to compose new kinnis because the tragedy of the Churban is worse. We need to show more emotion. Hence, Rabbi Lezer HaKalir writes in Kinuch Avdalid, 
Al Khurban Bais Hamikdash, Kihuras Vihudash Espaid Bakoshana Vishana Nisbaid Khadash. And certainly this year requires newly composed kinnas. Describing really unspeakable tragedy. I have so many friends that lost parents. We have to compose a kina to express the grief for lives that have been lost, for families bereft, a kina for the anxiety during the thick of COVID here in America. All you would hear was siren after siren and people were sick with worry. A kina for the lost livelihoods, for the insecurity, a kina for the imploding society. You know, Many of the great empires and civilizations of the world didn't fall because they were conquered because uh, due to an invading army. No. Many of the great civilizations of the world imploded from within. You know, we think America. Here, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm coming to you from the United States of America. Bastion of supposed security and stability. People think the Golden of Medina will never be conquered. But historically, the mightiest empire, the Roman Empire, was never conquered. It imploded from within. There was a disillusionment of, with government and the papal leaders, and the society crumbled from within. And that's what we see in America today. Defund the police. Defund authority. Everything goes. Crime in the cities is rampant. American society has not been so tenuous for two or since the Civil War. This, says Rav Gifter, is rooted in the Chorben Beis HaMikdash. You know, they came out with a new Sefer, Shaila Suchuvus Responsa from Rav Chaim Knievsky. And one of the questions that is mentioned in the Sefer is one allowed to daven for Corona together with Tfilais for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. In other words, could you in court, could you say, Rebansham, Build the base Hamikdash so that we get rid of this COVID nineteen. And Reb Chaim Kedarkoi Bakoidesh responded, "Efsher, it could be." But we are suggesting, humbly, yes, indeed, it is proper to daven for the for the remedy and for the eradication of COVID nineteen with the building of the base Hamikdash, as Rav Gifter teaches, Jewish tragedy is sourced, is rooted, is an offshoot of Chorben Beis HaMikdash. Al Chorben Beis HaMikdash ki huras v'chihudash esbeid b'choshana v'shana misbeid chadash. I remember asking my saintly grandfather, Zechazak Levracha, Zaydi, daven for Corona to end. And he said, no. I'll daven for the Rebun Shalom to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. Because when that happens, that will be the end of our suffering. However, I must share with you my honest feelings that I do have some reservations about this teaching and this concept that all Jewish tragedy is rooted in Chorben Beis HaMikdash as I do not believe that it is unanimously maintained. Rav Soloveitchik, Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik, in his commentary, a very uh, insightful commentary to the Kinnis, raises a very interesting question, an intriguing question. He wants to know why were no kinnas composed to commemorate the Chalmanitsky pogroms of 1648-1649. I was just in the city of Lemberg in Lvov, 
and I was reading it that many of the hotels used to be torture chambers for the uh, for the Chalmanitsky pogroms. Yeah, you sleep very comfortably at night in the hotel, knowing that you know what that room used to be. Yeah, you you know what kind of nightmares you have sleeping in that hotel. Anyway. Why are there no kinnis for the Chalmanitsky pogroms? Tens of thousands of Jews were massacred. What's even more strange is slichos have been composed to commemorate the Chalmanitsky pogroms. There is even a fast day that is commemorated, namely Chaf Sivan. Why is no mention of it included in the service of Tisha B'av? And Rav Salvechik asked this question in a very compelling way, and I'll read to you how he phrases the question. Rav Salvechik says, I do not know why there are no kinnis recited on Tisha B'av to commemorate the Chalmanitsky persecutions. The kinnis that were composed to commemorate Chalmanitsky persecutions and which are recited on the 20th of Sivan are not said on Tisha B'av. So I would like to uh, tackle this problem. Why are there no kinnis established for the Chalmanitsky pogroms included on Tisha B'av? Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechatzag of Rachel, the Igorais Moshe, Chelek Dalet of Yoradea Simenon Zain Oisil Aleph. Rav Moshe is discussing the oft posed question. This is a question that the um, Briskarov, the, the Rav Yitzchak Zev Salavechik, dealt with. And why that is, why is there no fast day established to commemorate the Holocaust, the greatest tragedy to ever befall the Jewish people? Six to seven million Jews massacred 1.5 million Jewish children. And, says Rav Moshe, to make the question even more acute and more troubling, is the fact that a fast day was legislated to commemorate the Chalmanitsky pogroms, namely Chav Sivan, so why was no fast day enacted to commemorate the Holocaust? And Rav Moshe draws an astounding distinction. Says Rav Moshe, not all tragedy is rooted in Chorben Beis HaMikdash. It depends. The Holocaust, it was perpetrated by the, the German government. That's a world power. That is a result of the Chorben. When the, you see, when the temple stood, Malchus, sovereignty, belonged to the Jewish people. Malchus based of it was a reflection of the Malchus Shemayim. But when they destroyed the temple the Babylonians usurped Jewish Malchus. And therefore, any evil perpetrated by the Babylonians, and then their Malchus was taken from the Persians, and then that sovereignty was taken by the Greeks, and then finally the Romans. So any evils, any tragedy that is inflicted by the reigning government, that is a direct consequence of Horem Beis HaMikdash, so the fact that they usurped Jewish Malchus and they took it for themselves, and therefore, that is commemorated on Tisha B'av. The Holocaust, which was perpetrated by the German government, is a direct result of the Chorben, and therefore, no new fast day is enacted for the Holocaust. Instead, we mourn the tragedies of the Holocaust on Tisha B'av. However, says Rav Moshe, the Chalmanitsky pogrom, 1648-1649, was not perpetrated by the Ukrainian government. It was or the Russian government, it was perpetrated by rebels, by uh, horsemen. The Chalmanitsky pogroms was an anti-government phenomenon. 
it was it was anti-establishment. It was by the Kazakhs, and therefore, if it's anti-government, it's unrelated to the korban, and that is why it is commemorated on a different day than Tisha B'av, on Chav Sivan. So anything that is perpetrated by the reigning government, that we could trace back to the korban. Anything which is anti-establishment, anti-government, that is unconnected, unrelated to Tisha B'av and the korban based on Mikdash. Well, to my mind, this clearly answers Rav Soloveitchik's question. Why are there no kinnis established to commemorate Chamaniski pogroms? Because they're not related to the Chorba Mesamikdash. It was an anti-government, anti-establishment phenomenon. It's not connected to the Chorba. Only something like the Holocaust could be traced back to the Chorba. What then would Rav Moshe say about COVID-19? Is COVID-19 traceable to Chorban based on Mikdash? It's hard to make that case. What would Ramesha say about the Meiron stampede? About what happened in Stalin? Does that have anything to do with Chorban based on Mikdash? About a collapsed building in Surfside? If Ramesha does not trace the Chalmanitsky pogroms back to Tishavav and the Chorban, it is doubtful that these other tragedies, which are even lesser connected, certainly maybe on a some dimension, the lack of uh, God's presence in the world is a source of all uh, difficulty and challenge. Nevertheless, in a direct way, Rav Moshe does not attribute these types of tragedies to the Chorban Mesa Mikdash. And therefore, we are still left searching. Can there be another approach? Can a Tishabav that we're facing this year, many of us in isolation, certainly in the South African community, Tishabav mourning the loss of Meiron, mourning the loss of Stalin, mourning the losses in Surfside. Is there any way a Tishabav like this is more meaningful because of personal tragedy and the circumstances that we are encountering? So I'd like to share with you a idea that I learned from the teachings of one of my revered Teachers, Harav Avigdor Miller, Zechasak Levracha, and I would like to be careful. You know, people say my Rebbe is so and so. I never learned in Rav Miller's yeshiva. Miller didn't have a yeshiva, but I did spend three years going to his uh, Shabbos shiurim on uh, many, many Shabbosim. I walked a very long distance. I'm grateful to Rivan Shalom that I had. The Rav Shalom gave me a little good sense to do that. Uh, for the course of three years, it was about a 45-minute walk from Avenue M and East 31st to his shul on Ocean Parkway. I went to a number of his Thursday night lectures and had a number of conversations with him that I uh, recorded in writing and listened to many, many of the shirim. Rav Miller, actually this does not come from a uh, shir that I heard, but this is written in his Sefer Leva Vigdar. Rav Miller quotes a Pasuk in Koyhelas. The Pasuk in Koyhelas, Parag Zayin, Pasuk Yudal, it says, V'yayim toiva heyei b'toiv v'yayim On a good day, be good. On a bad day, see. V'yayim toiva heyei b'toiv v'yayim what does this mean? What does this refer to? So Rav Miller gave the following analogy. In Berchus Hamazain, in the second bracha, Noidelcha, 
We thank Hashem for many things. We say, thank you Hashem for Eretz Yisrael. Okay, that I understand. Here are the, the Jew just ate uh, some pizza or a salami sandwich and it had to grow in the land. So we say, Hashem, thanks for the best land. Thanks for Eretz Yisrael. But then we thank Hashem for taking us out of Egypt. I mean, I'm always grateful for God taking us out of Egypt. What's it got to do with my salami sandwich? What does that have to do with my bread meal? And then we thank Hashem for giving us the Torah. What's that got to do with lunch? And then we thank Hashem for bris milah. I mean, uh, what's that got to do with my dinner? Why do we have this whole laundry list of things that we thank Hashem for seemingly randomly, nothing to do with our meal? These inclusions seem quite out of place. Here's a similar question. Yaakov Avinu is being reunited with his beloved son after 22 years. He thought Yosef had been torn apart by a wild animal. And after 22 years, he received the literally unbelievable report, Oid Yosef Chai, Bechihu Moshe B'chalaretz Mitzrayim. And Yaakov Avinu is about to encounter his beloved son. He's about to embrace his beloved son. Who could even imagine this emotionally charged moment? And what does Yaakov Avinu do? He says, Kriyashima. What's he saying Kriyashima for? I don't think it was a Zman Kriyashima. Otherwise, Yosef would have been saying Shema. So why is he saying Shema? Give your son a hug, a kiss. How you doing? Embrace! Kriyashima? The Maral in the Gorari explains that after 22 years of having thought his son had died and was killed, and now being reunited with his son, this was a moment of unbridled love, of an outpouring of Ava. There's a mitzvah in the Torah, to love God. It's not an easy mitzvah. You can't just say something, Okay, you, love God! Oh, whoa, wait, wait a second, give me a moment. Let me, let me, uh, let me put on my glasses first. Let me, uh, let, me, let me see if I actually love God. You can't tell me to love someone. You know, actions are within our control, emotions less so. So what do you mean love God? Something you have to engender. Something you have to work on. Yaakov Avinu realized he was being afforded a once-in-a-lifetime moment of outpouring of Ahava. And because emotions are not within our... It's not like a, a tap. It's not a faucet. Okay, let's turn on my emotions now. But Yaakov Avinu was about to encounter and experience unbridled love for his son. Yaakov says, I don't want to waste the opportunity and just use it to pour out my love on my son. Once my heart is open, overflowing with love, I will now just direct it and rechannel it and harness it and apply it to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, as Yaakov Avinu is embracing his son Yosef, Yaakov Avinu cries out, V'yohavta es Hashem Eloikecha he channels that love to the ultimate cause, love of the Rebbe Similarly, Similarly, says Harav Miller, when it comes to gratitude, there are a lot of things we have to thank Hashem for. Eretz Yisrael, Brismila, Torah. But you go to a guy, let's say, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You go to a woman, 5 o'clock. She's serving her kids. Okay, Jew, right now we want you to feel gratitude to Hashem. For what? For Brismila, for Torah, for Eretz 
What? Leave me alone, I'm busy. Or I, I can't muster up feelings of gratitude. Now I'm in a grouchy mood, I'm in a bad mood. Uh, I'm trying to get a vaccine in this country, can't even import it. I'm trying to get out of the country. I'm just trying to get back to life as normal. What do you mean, I, I should have gratitude? I'm not feeling it right now, I'm not in the mood. So what do we do? We say, wait. You just had a really good lunch. You had a salami sandwich with ketchup and a pickle and maybe a Diet Coke and you had a good dessert and you're in a good mood and you're happy and you're right frame of mind. So we say, Rabid, Jew, don't waste the opportunity. You're in a good mood. You're in an upbeat mood. Don't waste the moment. Harness your feelings of contentment and satiety and goodwill and don't just be in a good mood. Utilize it. Channel it towards gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now is the right opportunity. You're happy, you're in a good mood. Thank Hashem. Thank you, Rebbe for Eretz Yisrael, a land flowing with milk and honey, a delectable land, a land where even it's enjoyable to roll in its dust. B'yoyim toiv heyebetoiv. Says Rav Miller, on a good day, after a good sandwich, after a good moment, channel your feelings of happiness, satiety, and goodwill toward HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Ubiyoyim Ra, on a day of evil, Re'e, see. When you're in a bad mood, and you're in a sad mood, don't just wallow in self-pity. Channel your feelings of, of depression. Challenge your feelings of sadness toward the service of Hashem toward Chorban Beis HaMikdash. We would like to suggest as follows. When Ram Gamliel heard the woman crying, he was certainly broken. Certainly the sensitive and great soul that Ram Gamliel was. His heart was broken. He was moved to tears. Her cry was so painful. It could stir even the coldest of hearts, certainly the heart of Ram Gamliel. But when Ram Gamliel heard that woman cry, and his heart became soft and sensitive. And he too was saddened and he too cried. Ram Gamliel said, On a day of evil, see. Make sure you channel your feelings of sadness toward Avodah Hashem. Not just to feel sorry for one, one woman's plight, which is a very great objective, to feel the pain of another Jew. But don't leave it at that. Use the raw emotion of this woman's pain and channel it to mourn over the Beis HaMikdash, to feel the Chorban. Because on a regular day, in the middle of the day, we say, okay, mourn the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. Mourn the Chorban I'm busy, I'm in the field, I'm in the, in the stock market. Chorban uh, who could think of such a thing? I'm not in the mood, I'm in a good mood. When well, Gamliel heard the woman's cry and it broke his heart and he was now feeling sadness, he channeled that sadness toward the Beis HaMikdash. Not necessarily that the woman's personal plight was caused by the Chorban, it was rooted in the Chorban, but it's a technique, a psychological technique of Koychois HaNefesh, of utilizing the challenge that we have of turning on our emotion, utilize, harness emotions we already have for the right purposes. And therefore, in a Tishabav like this one, a Tishabav 
we are aside from trying to connect with, for, with the Chorben, trying to connect with a lack of Beis HaMikdash and a lack of Shechina in the world, we're also quite saddened and perhaps broken of the plight of the world. South Africa certainly still in the thick of COVID, isolation, quarantine, financial stress. But we're also broken for the the tzaros that Klal Yisrael have experienced recently, for the great tzaddikim of Meiron, 45 tzaddikim. We say 45 kinnis on Tishabav. Tragedy of Stalin, of Miami Beach, Surfside. And our hearts are already broken. But we can't leave it at that. We have to utilize the opportunity of a broken heart and a stirred soul and a sensitive soul and a raw soul and a raw heart to channel that toward the Chorben Beis HaMikdash. The Bach, Rabbi Yoel Circus, the author of the great commentary on the Torah, he had a very difficult time publishing his Sefer. And he encountered impediment after impediment <coughs> Till one night he fell asleep and he had a dream. And they told him in a dream, you know, you've been so busy with your svarim, you've stopped your practice of saying tikkun chatzois. Whereupon the Bach uh, reinstated his practice of tikkun chatzois and the writing of his sefer proceeded without interruption. Because we have to transcend the personal plight of ourselves, of our neighbors, and elevate ourselves to the madrega of feeling the Tsar of the Shechina who is in the ultimate pain. And a Tishabav like this, a Tishabav of Tavshin Pei Aleph, after such a long period of pandemic and other tragedy, has prepared us, prepared the our emotional state, and now all we have to do is harness it and channel it for the right cause and the cause of the day. And that cause is to feel the Tsar of the Shechina for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. But we cannot get down, and we cannot lose hope, as we know the practice on Tisha B'av, is that midday on Tisha B'av, which is the time that the Temple was set afire, we get out of our chairs, and we get off the ground. Isn't it strange? You have three weeks, which we're preparing for the nine days, which is like the week of Avelos, preparing for Tisha B'av, which is like the day of the Misa. And as they're about to set fire, which is what we've anticipated and all the morning was leading up to, we get out of our seats and some of the Avelos lifts and we say some Sukkim of Nechama and uh, we almost call it a day. But the explanation is that a Jew never wallows in self-pity and we never stay on the ground. The Jew always rolls up his and her sleeves, dusts himself off and plans for the future. You know, Noyach, when he came out of the Teva and he sees a world destroyed, saw a holocaust, all man, plant, animal. And the first thing he does is he plants a vineyard. And Chazal criticized Noyach for planting a vineyard. Chazal say, He should have planted a different planting. He should have planted grain. 
And Reb Simcha Wasserman, who I know also had a very strong connection to your community. Simcha Wasserman asks, what's wrong with what Noyach did? Why do you think he planted wine? In Mishle it says, give wine to the brokenhearted. Tnu yayin lemare levav. So he was consoling himself, sipping the wine of consolation. He saw a world destroyed. He needed some cheering up. He needed some consolation. Well, why should he plant grain? Says Reb Simcha Wasserman. Because in an, the aftermath of destruction, devastation, that is not how we react. We don't wallow in self-pity. We don't continuously sit on the floor. We get up and we roll up our sleeves and we dust ourselves off and we think, how are we going to build for the future? In the tragedy, on Tisha B'Av, we got to get off the floor. In the COVID-19, in the Avilus, we pull ourselves off the floor. And we have to plant grain. What are we going to eat for the future? How are we going to build the Jewish people for the future? 1945. Rommel was primed to pummel through Israel in a matter of days. The Arabs were broadcasting on the radio, Jews! The Germans are coming! We're going to molest your wives and we're going to murder your children. You're going to be swimming in blood. That's what was broadcasting on the radio in Israel. The Arabs were waving towels out of their windows, welcoming the Germans. And the situation in the observant community in Eretz Yisrael was, they were ghostly frightened. They knew what was happening in Europe. They knew the yeshivas in Europe had been decimated. The Torah world was destroyed. And now, whatever Jews were left in Israel, it was a matter of days before Rama would pummel through the whole country. And the rabbis got together, the rabbis gathered together, Zalman Saratskin, many other G'dayim, or this Zalman, and there was, they gave a Geshrei, what's going to be with the Torah world? What's going to be with Klai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael? And there at that meeting, was Rabbi Yosef Shlaima Kahaneman, the Panovich who, by the way, was the only survivor of Panovich. Panovich boasted institutions of a thousand students each. And the Panovich Arav was beaming. His, light, his face was shining. And he gets up and he says, indeed, the clouds are dark. And this is, these are ominous times. And we mourn the losses of millions of our brothers and sisters in Europe. But didn't God promise in the Torah, the Torah will never be forgotten. And therefore it's specifically at a bleak time like this that those of us who stand up and roll up their sleeves and commit themselves to rebuild the Jewish people will be eligible to supernatural siyata deshmaya. God has promised and we're still His children. And we could take His promises to the bank. That at a time like this, now is when we need to lay the foundation of Yeshivas Panovich. Rommel may be primed, but we are bolstered with greater ammunition, and that is the support of the Almighty Kiloi Sishachach Mipizaroi. And as bleak as the prognosis seems to be for the world, for the Jewish people, for Eretz Yisrael, and a new government, that's also what's going to be. 
It is specifically at a time like this, when we have no one to rely on, at a time like this, we understand, We just need a few good men, a few good women, whoever stands up today in Tavshin Pe'alaf and readies themselves and prepares themselves to rebuild the Jewish people, there is no doubt, it is guaranteed that we will be eligible and zoicha to siyatu d'shmayo l'malam teva. It is specifically at a dark time like this that Hashem is waiting for a few good people to stand up and say, Hineni, Almighty, we're ready to be your agents, to bring glory to your name, to elevate the honor of the Jewish people, to elevate the honor of the Torah, to elevate the honor of the Shekhinah. My dear friends, what does God want from us? Do we need to suffer more? No. We're done. We've done our share. So what's left? Says the Gemara. Nobody seeks out Siyon. Says the Gemara. From here we learn we need to seek it out. How do you seek out Siyon? What are you supposed to do? Go up to the Temple Mount? You know how to go there. How do you seek out Siyon? You have to pray for it. Says Rav Chaim Knievsky, you have to be toiveyat. You have to say, Rebani Shalom, you owe it to us. You promised us. You know, we pray to God, God, bring Mashiach. Okay, not Mashiach, at least give me a good supper. No. We have to beg and cajole and pressure and be toiveya. We need to seek out Tzion. We don't need more suffering. We need more prayer. We need impassioned prayer. We need to be Tzion. Tzion. What's Reba Hashem going to say if His children say, Reba Hashem, you promised it to us. Reba Hashem won't turn us down. We just have to beg for it. And the Rebbein Shalom will soon respond in the affirmative. The Binyan Beis HaMikdash, Sheyibana, Bimheira, Yameinu, Amen.